Hi, this is Stuttering John Melendez from The Howard Stern Show. And for some really stupid reason, you're listening to... Insufferable bastards. Great name for a podcast, morons. Thanks, John. I don't like when... What are these podcasts? Pick on John every every freaking week. That Not seems fair. to be their livelihood now. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to. Well, if I put them in my in my title, I'll get like a hundred angry messages or not messages, comments on uh, on YouTube. And the fact that I know that acknowledges that I actually do listen to that show every once in a while. Yeah, it's not bad. I, it's just for me, it's just too formatted. For me, they are what they make fun of. They are radio. All right, all right. I'm glad you agree. I thought I was being weird about that. No, hey, everybody, welcome to Insufferable Bastards. My name is Carlos Danger for the purposes of this broadcast. And Brian Spears, my usual co-host, hello, hello, is not here tonight. He's, uh, it's, it's, the, it's Halloween Eve. It's October 30th. And he's doing makeup on some famous person, I guess. He has better things to do. Right, yeah. And a couple of weeks ago, Brian missed an episode because he was on set. So he's very busy. La-di-da. So not that uh, the guest I have on isn't worthy. It's Mr. Matt Maisto. You may recognize him from Mondo Creepy. Past Greetings uh, and salutations. Hey, Matt, how's it going? It's going uh, So the most recent Mondo Creepy was just like, what, three weeks ago? It was like two three weeks, weeks ago. ago. It was like three weeks ago now. I checked it out. I had a great time as usual with that thing. Like my wife Thank was you. working. She, she had gone away. Uh, for she was shooting a wedding up in like uh, New Hampshire, so I was with my my two kids, my two little ones. I put them to bed, so it was like it was hard. I couldn't like pay attention like I wanted to, but I felt so modern because I had it on in my bedroom. Uh, you know the TV. I had YouTube on the TV, but then to, I could watch the comments and then to make comments, I was doing it on my phone, which eventually died. I could I didn't have a charger and nothing like that, but I had a really good time. Just like. Everybody slings their best one-liners, and the film you did, the movie you did, it was it was entertaining. That was the most surprising. It's a real thing. movie. It yeah. was, it's a real movie, which surprised me too. But I was very, I feel very blessed and very grateful to have gotten my hands on that. So thank you, Eric Eichelberger, the director and writer of Ghoul Scout Zombie Massacre, because without him, it would not have been possible. It would have been someone else's movie that we won't mention, possibly. <laughs> and just say the name of the movie again, because I keep screwing it up. Ghoul. Ghoul Scout Zombie Massacre. Yeah, and it's like, I mean, I guess if you had to compare it, if you're if you're our age, if you want a comparison, it reminded me of like the old, uh, like sorority babes and the slime ball bowl-a-rama. Fred Olin Ray, that's what I'm trying to say. It was, that's exactly what I was hoping for, and that's exactly what I got. Because I've said this before, but I feel as if Mondo Creepy is a spiritual successor to USA Up All Night. So for me, this was the perfect Mondo Creepy movie as sort of a prototype going forward for hopefully what will be many more original films or, or content of that kind going forward. Yeah, I had a, I had a good time. So congrats on that. Thank so you. Matt's here. We'll get to it in a second, but I want to ask him a couple other things. We're going to be talking about Dune, which premiered a week ago. Maybe a week ago, maybe it was two weeks ago. It was, I don't know. It was a week ago. Something like that on uh, HBO Max and in theaters. Uh, so we're going to be talking about that. I mentioned it in our last episode with Brian, just kind of quickly. I just like I had just watched it, and I hadn't put any thought into my thoughts on Dune, and I still have it. 
But uh, and I keep wanting for some reason I keep wanting to call it Zune. You know, I had I had the cheap Microsoft, the failed iPod. I had one of those. I had a pink Zoom. We won in a Best Buy for uh, breast cancer awareness. Well, now would be the perfect time for the Zoom to come back, just like Dune rose from its you know crappy movie ashes from the eighties. Although I do love that movie, but for all the wrong reasons. I like the only thing I remember about that first Dune, and I, I've never read the book. I'm completely an ignoramus as to the influence and importance of the novel in, you know, the sci-fi uh, literary world. I have no idea, but I was never, I, even as a kid, I didn't really get David Lynch. And to this day, I don't really get David Lynch. I love David Lynch. And, and most people do like, I know it's me. I know it's me. But that I just remember that would be on like HBO or the movie channel a lot in the 80s. And I couldn't watch more than two, three minutes of that movie as a kid. I just didn't get a single frame of that crap. Uh, but I did go back and was watching some scenes from it. I'm like, whoa, what was that original one like? And I was like, oh, my it's it's I mean, looking back. The like the visuals, it's atrociously bad. Well, there are a couple of reasons for that. Number one, it's a Dino De Laurentiis film, who mm. is sort of like the real king of of sort of uh, sci-fi schlock, going back to the late 60s, all through the 70s and into the early 80s. Um, and there's a documentary, it's a great documentary, it's one of my favorite movies from, I believe, 2014, called Jodaworski's Dune. Uh, Alejandro Jodaworski, the filmmaker, who's really out there, has made some really crazy films. I've, have you ever seen El Topo or Holy Mountain? Uh, I've, I've only read, I mean, El Topo I've read about, I don't think I've ever seen it. Um, well, he almost made a version of Dune in the mid seventies with Dino De Laurentiis as the producer. And there's a wonderful documentary about it because he got, it was, it's sort of like the greatest movie that never happened. Pink Floyd was going to do the music. Orson Welles was going to play Baron Harkonnen. Uh, Mick Jagger was going to play the part that Sting played. Uh, he got Dan O'Bannon, who eventually went on to write Alien to do the uh, to do the effects. H.R. Giger did a lot of the uh, the uh, design for it, as well as Mobius, who was a very uh, influential uh, illustrator uh, and comic book artist at the time. Uh, it's a really, really interesting film. And just because of Joe Daworski's craziness, he wanted to make like a 10 hour version of the movie. And he couldn't get the finance because nobody wanted to give the guy who made El Topo and Holy Mountain that much money to make a 10 hour sci-fi movie about a very dense book. That's kind of difficult for like your basic mass audience to understand. It would have been a disaster. Huh? Like, it would have uh, well, been a disaster. It sounds like and he wanted to do things that like technically were not possible with the, with the technology of the time. It kind of sounds like that, uh, the making of, uh, the Dr. Moreau one, whatever it is, Island of the Lost yeah. Souls, where uh, that crazy director got chucked off. I love, I yeah. love watching that. I haven't again, seen that. I heard again. about that. It's pretty good. Like Val Kilmer's pretty great in it because he's. I, I saw the Val Kilmer documentary. It just it was depressing, and I don't want to like see something else right now where I'll see Val Kilmer and just think about that and get depressed. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I did like that documentary as well. But you know what I want to ask you about? I just saw something on Mondo Creepy Facebook. I guess is this weekend chiller. I just realized this about a few hours ago. I totally forgot that Chiller was this yeah, weekend. That's crazy. I mean, for anybody who doesn't know, I mean, that's where I met Matt at horror conventions. Yes. Uh, back in that's the day, we, we I, I used to go to, to uh, Fangoria, Weekend of Horrors, as we did all Matt. Did. Yeah. Right, right. Brian was there. And then Brian's uh, special effects business partner guy was Pete Gurner, yes. who's Matt's Pete. best friend. 
Yeah, we would all go there. Glenn Baisley, who we sort of alluded to a couple of minutes ago. Mike Lane, who's been on this podcast, music, movies, and more. Uh, mm-hmm. And we would also go to Chiller sometimes. And yes, Chiller was always a little different because it was it was more crowded. I always felt it was, and it was more of a like it would like be these dudes fifty years old getting their guitars and drums out on a Saturday night and just having a <laughs> excuse me having a concert. Yeah. And it was usually those guys are usually, I believe, the owners of the of the show. Those right. guys were like the guys that managed and owned the, the show, the Dead Elvi. The Dead Elvi, yeah, it's it's a tradition. They always perform and it's like mm-hmm. super loud. So it's kind of it, you know, it definitely has the that I I mean, we haven't been there or I haven't been there in years. I don't know the last time you went, but it's been years. It had the more of the party vibe than all of them. Uh, yeah, the but not was, anymore, from what I understand. Not anymore? From what I understand, it's just become like a like a lot of these places, but more so uh, a, a, an autograph show. Oh wow! Because I was the autograph show of the East Coast, supposedly. Wow, that is, you know, I was just thinking earlier today. CT Horror Fest is the local Connecticut horror festival. It's like seven years old. It was just on September eighteenth. Brian and I had a a booth for it for this podcast, and and it was crowded. It was big. Like it felt like, oh, okay, this has gone from a small, really tiny show that maybe it'll be back next year to being, oh, this is now an established thing. And so now it's going to two days next year, so which is great. Monster Mania, you know, it's moving to a convention center now. Yeah, that know? was crazy. They had a Monster Mania in a convention center. But I do feel like, as a vendor, I'm like, and especially because we're not selling anything and we're just there to promote our podcast. And I'm like, oh, two days, I probably won't do that. I love it as like a fan, but. You're right. It, it the, these are now autograph shows. The primary purpose yeah. is to go there, wait online, and uh, and get signatures. It's although I did see people who snapped some pictures and and posted some video up on Twitter who did go to Monster Mania last weekend. And I guess maybe because they do have the larger space, panels are back. I saw a lot of people posting pictures. Oh no, kidding! Panels, which is nice to see. Because that's always my main, first and foremost, one of the main reasons I always went to a convention was the panels. Yeah, I couldn't panel. care less about autographs. Right, that's yeah. That's the panels. I'm the same way, you know, the panels and just hanging out. Spears always calls it the hang. It's and the hang, yeah. yeah. You, you can't have a hang if you're, just, if you're there just to wait online for an autograph. Mm-hmm. So. And that used to be the same thing with uh, what the chiller used to be. I mean, half the time, especially towards the end of when I used to go to chiller, I wasn't even buying tickets for the show. I just wait for the show to end and then go to the costume party contest in the big tent uh, right. with the bands afterwards. And it was all about the hang. I remember there was one chiller. I think they were playing. Uh, what is that? It was the clown movie that was connected to Kevin Smith, and the guy was on that comic book show. Oh, um, it had, it had uh, I, I believe it had a male rape vulgar. in it. Vulgar. vulgar. They screened vulgar, and maybe it wasn't Schiller. Actually, now that I think about it, I, I don't think it was. It was I would have remembered that because I've never couple, seen Vulgar, and I've always wanted to see Vulgar. They screened Vulgar, and they had the director there, and uh, I Brian, ended what's up. What's his name? Yeah, the, whoever that guy is, you know, yeah. the guy with the beard. Mm-hmm. I ended up like falling asleep and falling out of my chair because <laughs> I was there alone. Cause we're all like our convention days, I guess for all of us, we're, we, we've all gone to less and less conventions. And I was like the last guy to be like, come on, I'm getting a room. Come on. I would try to get the gang back together, but everybody broke off uh, one by one. It just wasn't the same after Glenn stopped yeah. coming, you know, it, it, it's not, Although you know, we did want to go to promote Mondo creepy to a couple of shows this year, but then we really thought about it, especially with COVID still happening and the only real proper way to do it would have been to have Jennifer go 
in costume and character. And then at that point, you know, you just get a lot of horny dudes who just want to clamor all over her. And I don't want to subject her to that or put her at risk or myself at risk from just being around that. Right. Uh, yeah. So we're just going to wait until see what happens and hopefully things will be a bit calmer next year. And uh, then we'll, we'll properly do it. We'll go to the CT horror show. We'll do chiller. We'll do the New Jersey horror con uh, monster mania. The one in Atlantic City, right? Yeah, that yeah. one looks kind of... I mean, that actually, you know what, now that I think about it, that's the one. It started up uh, more towards northern Jersey because that's the one where I went saw Vulgar. It was that show. I think it was yeah. their first one. And then they moved it down to uh, yeah. to Atlantic City, beautiful Atlantic City. The plan was not to get a table, just do it guerrilla style, just have her in costume walk around handing out cards with info about the show. Mm. And just take it to the people, yeah. so to speak. But I, I can't put her at risk. Doing right. That. Yeah. And, yeah. and she's not the slightest bit interested in doing that right now either. Right. So yeah. Even if I asked, she would just she would have said no. And I, I don't just, blame her. I'm just so happy, like the the kids' vaccinations coming online, you know, Fine. in like literally days. So that's good news for me. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's, I had noticed you had said on Facebook, or Mondo Creepy, or Lilith had said on Facebook that uh, there were no horror hostess at Chiller that. Gave me a chuckle a little because it is like yeah it's 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 from yeah the dub you know, it's it's named in honor of Zachary's show Zachary being you know one of the two original horror hosts other than uh, Vampira uh, uh, the show was named in his honor he was the guest of honor for years you mm. would think that they would at least be interested in inviting you know, the next crop or current generation, or even there are a bunch of other people, uh, horror hosts, past and present uh, from the tri-state area that you'd think they'd say, hey, why don't you guys come or, you know, check it out or, or whatever, invite them to, to a panel at the very least. I'm not even talking from speaking from Mondo Creep. I'm just saying horror hosts in general. You think it would be a, a big part of, of what they're about and they don't care because it's become a business. And I get that. I do. It's just, I find it a little ironic. One of my favorite chiller memories is just like randomly walking down the hall, trying to get from like one thing to another, the vendor's room, back to about the hotel. I mean, back to the elevator and uh, like literally in the hallway set up at like a little card table was like Roger from what's happening. <laughs> just like, yeah, exactly. It looked like he showed up and just set his own card table up. It wasn't like it was anyway. Yeah, I just looked. Well, there was, was like, the time I spilled a beer on Ted Raimi. I spilled a beer all over Ted Raimi. He was super nice about it. Oh, was he? I think yeah. Ted Raimi, he told me at one of these conventions, I started, I had my phone out and I was taping him and I put it on our, on the Insufferable Bastard podcast page. He called me out for, uh, for videotaping him. It was, I mean, I was, there was three people in the audience. It was me and two other people. Uh, but I was like, all right, all right. Sorry, sorry, sorry. But yeah, I wasn't waiting. No, wait, was it Ted was Raimi or is Ted Raimi the dead guy? No, no, Ted Raimi is uh, Sam Raimi's brother. He's been in all those movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, that, yeah, it was him. I was thinking yeah. the guy who wrote Bad Santa. What was that guy's name? Was that another? That was somebody totally different. That's somebody totally different. And uh, then there was a time I saw Charles Napier get belligerently drunk and threaten, physically threaten the bartender. And uh, who was it? The dude from, oh, I can't, his name escapes me right now. The guy that was in Blade Runner pulled him away with like a couple other guys who's dead now also. The hell's that guy's name? The actor. But it's um, not Rucker Hauer. No, no, not Rucker Hauer. The Harrison other guy. Ford. No, no, no. Daryl Hannah. No, no, no. The other guy. John Young. The other, no, no. The, the dude. The other dude with the mustache. Who played the other replicant? That. What the hell's his name? Oh, this is killing me. That's the thing about you should look it up. 
I'm going to look this up. Because it is, it kind of leads into Dune, right? Because you had Blade Runner, right? That became uh-huh. a, a classic. I went and saw when they uh, released the director's cut with the original ending. I just dropped something uh, from Ridley Scott. I went and saw that in the Brian theater. James. Brian, Brian James. James. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Oh, now you froze from doing that. Now Matt has, we'll never hear from him again. But the second Blade Runner, whatever the heck it was called, Blade Runner 2019, was directed by this dude who directed Dune. And oh man, Matt really froze. He's gone. There he is. Oh no, I'm here. I'm there. Sorry about that. No, that's okay. That's okay. So uh, do you know how to say this director's name, Matt? Because I'm going to screw that up. Dennis what? Dennis? uh... I have always said Villa Venue, which I think is wrong. We're going to have to call it Dennis with uh, with Denny Villavenue. It's French, so it's not Dennis. It's Denny. Denny Villavenue. I'm calling him Dennis. This is too much. Oh, yeah, I'm on his IMDb page. He's got the scarf on. He's very, yeah, he's very French and arty. Oh, and all his pictures, he's got that. He's got the neck gear on. But uh, he's sort of kind of. French. He kind of came out of nowhere, you know? Like, I'm even looking at his director credits. I mean, he made Blade Runner 2049 which I guess is now considered a failure. I liked it. I liked it a lot. I'm a big, uh, I'm a big Blade Runner fan. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not like huge. I'm not huge into the sci-fi stuff uh, either way, but I, I thought that Blade Runner was a really good movie. So now uh, arrival could have really screwed that up and he, it was done very well. Yeah. So the guy, I mean, the guy is obviously a genius. You know, you know, you know, you're in the presence of uh, yeah. somebody extremely talented when you watch like that. And then this, I oh, also made Sicario, which was better than it should have been prisoners. Yeah. I don't understand the love for that, but you know, I don't know. Then he's rival. He's a, what was that? A rival. I don't, I don't even think I ever watched that, but uh, I, I actually guessed the ending. I figured it out. I don't, even, I don't remember a thing about it. I got to say, I'm not going to say anything then in case you haven't seen it. Maybe I'll go back and watch it after this. But I mean, you know, now he makes Dune and, you know, I was like, okay, Dune, because I don't know anything about Dune. I wasn't excited at all that they were making Dune again. He's but, kind of entered that Chris Nolan stratosphere now. And it's, I, yeah, he's kind of similar to, I guess one could argue it's a little uh, style over character development. There's a lot of aesthetics to both those guys. Yeah. Uh, but when I saw the like the preview for it, I was like, oh, damn, even I was like, damn, this looks like it's going to be some epic uh, freaking movie. So, Matt, you're more of the, the like, this is like, I'm the novice and you're more expert on. Well, I wouldn't say I'm an expert, but I have read the book and I've seen the original movie, both the the director's cut and the theatrical cut several times. And I've, well, I've only I've, read the book once, but I've seen the, the films. So and, that's, and that's a crappy sci-fi miniseries. Oh, yeah, I saw that that was a thing. I didn't even realize that existed. Yeah, don't. Everybody should easily forget about that. But I know nothing of any of that. So, uh, I mean, I mentioned last week, but basically my thoughts on it, I I was, it's a good movie. I mean, you can't, I mean, I love the fact that we've got a big budget, old fashioned in that they threw a ton of money at it and they made movie magic. You know what I mean? They made movie magic as opposed to another Marvel movie. Yeah, visually of, it's stunning. It doesn't hold your hand to a degree. It's it's and I've heard this been thrown around a few times, but it is. It's Star Wars for adults. Right. Well, yeah, that that's a that's an interesting point because like just what sort of annoyed me about it. And yet it's it's a lot of the material from the book is what inspired Star Wars. That's what I'm saying. I as I was watching it and I watched it with my wife, 
And she kind of looked at me and she's like, well, this really feels like Star Wars. And I'm like, I'm like, well, that's because George Lucas from what I'm, I'm watching this movie. And I'm, 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 I'm obviously the book came out in 57. So half of Star Wars is, is taken. Was it 57? I thought it was like the 60s. Mid-60s. I don't know. I thought it was 57. I could be wrong. <laughs> you could be right. My point is the movie to me as a novice, it felt very, very familiar. And I was yeah. shocked. And yeah. I've never seen a movie. Where, it's that classic Joseph uh, Campbell heroic journey structure. And, and it, but, but at the end of it, at the end of this movie, the spoiler alert, it feels like maybe he got the first three chapters of the book. <laughs> there's no, there's no, kind like, of. there's no big, it's all beginning. At the end, I was like, oh, the movie's over. It yeah. felt to me like on one hand, I was thinking, wow, this would make a great uh, a series or like a limited series. Where That's they- my issue with it. I overall, I enjoyed the movie. I'm glad it's there. Uh, it's well done. Uh, but they simplified a lot of things in this for a mainstream audience. And I get it because you've already had one failed version a long time ago, which is so infamous that it lives in the mind of a certain section of, of pop culture. Uh, so I get why they did certain things the way they did it. That being said, the best way to have handled this material would have been to give it the HBO series treatment where you do like a a 10 episode series. And maybe you could have, honestly, there's enough material in the book where you probably could have drawn out three seasons. Right. Yeah. I was thinking that there could be like five years, this thing. Cause that's what it it felt like. It was just gearing up, gearing up, gearing up. Cause there's a lot of stuff that they also left out that happened in this section of the, of the film. That's uh, that's, that's in the book that they didn't put in. Have you tracked any of the, like the hardcore Dune fans out there, like anybody uh, on the net and what their reaction there is, is to it? Yeah, everybody sort of has the same reaction. There's this, I actually worked with her a long time ago. There's this uh, somewhat famous YouTube uh, uh, person, uh, or comic book girl 19. Uh, her name's Danica something, but she has a big following on YouTube. I, last I checked, she used to have like a, a million subscribers. Uh, her videos always get like at least a hundred thousand views. I it's did a, a thing with that's her a for few MTV more. years ago, just a few more than, than you and me. Yeah. Together. A few more than me. Yeah. than the both of us together, just <laughs> right a few. there, right there. 12 right views. there. And she is a super Dune fan and she does this thing called Dune club where she actually, uh, sells a version of the book with a bunch of like extra material and then like has everybody like, okay, every Thursday, we're going to like cover a different chapter of this book. We're going to, it's sort of like book of the month club. And every week they went through a different, and it took her like months to do it, but she's already moved on to like the four other books. And she's a, so like when I think of like an, uh, like an internet super Dune fan, she's who I think of. And then, um, and then what she say? Pretty much what, what I, what a lot of us have been saying who have read the book that, you know, uh, it's good. Uh, but they've simplified it for mainstream audience. And, but we all understand why they did it. You know, you've, they spent a lot of money on this film. They want to make that back and, and, and able to reach a ma- as far as it, or as big of a mainstream audience as you can get to cast that wide of a net. You have to simplify certain things and just keep it moving. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I mean, I get that. I get that. I never felt really confused in it. Uh Oh, look at this. Uh Oh, Uh Oh, people can't see because I'm only recording the audio. I did send Mr. Brian Spears, the co-host, our Zoom information and told told him to Zoom bomb us. Don't don't say anything, Trump. Remember that time we got Zoom? We were here when we got Zoom bomb, Matt. You were there, right? I was here. I was certainly there. Trump 2020 all over the place. 
with cocks and and stuff all over the yeah, place. Yeah, was yeah, all kinds of racist imagery and all that. But we just we just ended the meeting, you know. We got through it. So Spears, what's going on, man? What are you? You're hanging out with? Uh, you're doing uh, Gary Delabate's Halloween makeup. I will be starting soon. I just pulled up. Oh wow! So this is a late star for you. So you're so you're in undisclosed location somewhere in one of the New York City boroughs. Exactly. Brian's calling us from a uh, a car phone there. Okay, I maybe just I, well, I say, Zoom, 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 whatever your guys are calling it today. Listen, I know I don't want to interrupt your flow, but Zoom I'll give to you the revenge. I'll, I'll give you my quick. Uh, the first half hour pointless. It doesn't. The movie doesn't start till Javier Bardem spits on the floor. Um, it also, to me, was a bad Shakespeare. Oh, I just that's bad. You should see the sci-fi miniseries. That's bad Shakespeare because it feels like a play. It's awful and low budget. I mean, and maybe, and this is the thing. I said it before. My star, my Star Wars is like the one sci-fi I can get to it. This was like. And I never really watched the other this other show, but Game of Thrones. I was I'm not. It's too much for me sometimes. Um, I like easy sci-fi. I, I I kept wanting Starship Troopers watching Dune. <laughs> yeah, it's not that, and it's not that. It's and not I that get at it. all. It's much more cerebral. I'm not saying it's bad. Also, I'm going to say this. I didn't like any of the actors in it. And listen, I mean, I I like all those actors. You know, in other things, Timothy Chalamet, whatever his name is, he's just not my heartthrob. Like, he doesn't do it for me. He's, None uh, of the performances bowled me over. They're all, like, exceptional actors, you know? A lot of them have been in a lot of things that I, I really like and some of them yeah, I even love. But none of the performances bowled actors. me over. Yes, yeah. and that's all I'm going to say. Like, it just seemed like they were in, I don't know. And I wanted... You got two people in there from No Country for Old Men. And, you know, it's... I thought uh, that was cool. Well, I mean, again, it had, I mean, Oscar Isaacs, I think is a great actor. I just think he hasn't found his great role yet. Well, he's trying to get that mainstream thing, you know, where like he's doing Star Wars and, and all this other thing, you know. He's like Vinny Chase from Entourage. I don't know. Like I worked with that guy once and he was like the nicest guy in the world. I've worked with him a couple of times too. I got a good story about him also, but he's and a nice like, guy. All I will say is like Josh Brolin. That guy should just be a character actor. He should stop trying to be a star. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I don't know. They all have goatees. I don't know. I don't know. Like, they all have weird facial hair. It's like, I don't know. Wait, did, did anybody else get thrown out of the movie when uh, Jason Momoa starts talking? Jason Momoa is just playing Jason Momoa in this movie. That that's man the literally issue I have act. is just I have somebody else he, he's got movies. one thing he can do and that's being Jason Momoa. It worked for him in Game of Thrones because he doesn't say anything in English. He barely speaks. But like when he opens up his mouth, all he gives you is that bro, that big bro energy. And and also like someone told me he's the Han Solo of the movie. And that's not he's no Han Solo. He's not he dies. Spoiler alert, he dies. All right, well. It, yeah. And there, yeah, there really, I didn't get the vibe that there is a Han Solo. Like, I thought, you know, it's it's very stately and uh, purposeful and, and yeah, cerebral. But it, yeah, it was like, like, I thought it was interesting. Oscar Isaac is introduced as this like ultra rich fan. I thought maybe he's a bad guy. I thought maybe like, oh, he's like of this powerful thing. I thought it was interesting that they make him be uh, virtuous and heroic. Uh, 
But then when his son, the first time his son runs into Jason Momoa and they start hugging, like it looked like Friday Night Lights to me. It just totally took, there's little things like that that kept taking me out. And it usually was when Jason Momoa would smirk. I mean, he's just like. I mean, Brian's not wrong about one thing. Like the book is is sort of Shakespearean in stature. It's a book sort of of like these Shakespearean tones, but it has like these big ideas and big concepts about science, about religion, about uh, existentialism and, and all these things. And like, you can't really put that in a two and a half hour big budget Hollywood movie. Something's going to lose something. Too. I think it's a cheat too, that this is a trilogy or, you know, at least or more movies will follow. And maybe it's just, well, you missed it before we were taught. I was saying before to, to Eugene that, uh, this would have been better as an HBO series like yes, Game of Thrones. Thank you. That's it. Even a one-off. And, you could, like and there's a... enough material in the book where you could have gotten three seasons out of a show like that, a 10-episode season. Uh, and given and guess what? That, that's the, the show movie that I want to see of Dune. That's what I wanted to see. With this director. And I think a lot of love... fans of the book, that's what they wanted to see as well. And, and, and again, you know, because I don't know. I just, I wanted more. And also, where the hell is Stink? Yeah, We're, uh, to, to go off like a nerd sort of tangent about the book and compared to the movie, there's no, you haven't seen The Emperor, you haven't seen The Spacing Guild, and you haven't seen uh, Fade Routha played by Sting in the in the original movie. And, and I just, I don't know. I It took me a while, and I guess it's just not my scene. It was just, that was hard for me. And I just, I don't know, I wanted more like for instance my niece is going to see that today um uh, she was going to a movie with a bunch of her friends um and i was well, it'll be interesting yeah. well you know why because everyone wanted to go see halloween kills but oh, she yeah. already saw it and i'm like dude you're a freshman in high school you can't get in you know the, the laws are different now you can't get into a movie theater so they got to go really? see the pg-13 well i mean who's gonna get you know no adults taking them oh, okay. used to sneak in well, I mean, I think in this day, I mean, we used to go to a theater that had, like, you know, you knew you could get into any R rated movie. just didn't care. Yeah. I, yeah. Not yeah. That, I, don't think I went into NC 17 movies when I was like 13, 14 years old. But guys, we grew up in a different era. Yeah. So, we're, we're you know, in this era, staying. like, you know, like, and, and I was just like, you're going to hate that movie. And she's like, no, 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 no. I think she's a fan of Timothy Chalamet. Chalamet. Yeah, he's the so new like, heartthrob, right? From what I understand. Yeah, but again, maybe in this new woke culture, he's the heartthrob. To me, he's yeah, I don't know. I mean, I mean what does woke this have to do? Whether are you driving? No, no, I'm parked. Oh, okay. It looks like you're. The, the, we, yeah. But what does wokeness have to do with him being a heartthrob? I don't understand. Because he's not I don't that man. In trouble. I, I'm not trying to get myself in trouble, but he's just not like he's he's the 21st century's movie star. But he's like a kid. Kyle McLaughlin, though. I'll say that much. He's no Kyle McLaughlin. He's no Kyle. I'm Kyle McLaughlin had more. Like, listen, man, I want a movie with Gene Hackman. Yeah. How's that? Or Roy Schreider. Give me those guys. The you know? only thing I could say to defend sure, Timothy Chalamet is that in the book, the, the character uh, is 15, is 14, 15 years old. I thought Even the kid Timothy was good. Timothy Chalamet is like 21 years old. I and I'm not, listen, I'll say this. I just, he, watching him makes me feel like an old man. How's that? Yeah, that's yeah, that's you that's know, so that, watch. that's where the difference is for me. He's like an old man to me. You know what I found really surprising, uh, and I don't know, maybe it's obvious to anybody who read the book, but 
the relationship between the mother and the son because the mother's like she loves her son but she's also putting him in a position like pushing him into getting killed possibly she's very much aware of that with her whole witch's brew and all that stuff i thought that was really interesting and i ever i'm you know i was not expecting that at all this whole mother-son dynamic where by the end of the movie i still wasn't convinced the mother was like a quote-unquote good guy i don't even know if she's his mother like it just freaks, i don't know I didn't even know Oscar Isaac was his dad until almost the movie was over. There is an interesting subplot in the book, and I wish they would have done it in the movie, but, you know, there's just no time for this. But it would have been great in a series where the Harkonnens, once they realize that, you know, they're being, that the Atreides are being set up to fail, and the Harkonnens are starting to sabotage these things before the invasion, they start planning this false information to look like the mother is the traitor and not the doctor. And so there's a lot of mistrust amongst all the Atreides people against her. And it's, a, it's an important subplot in the book, but like, you know, it's not in the movie at all. I thought, what's his name? The bad guy there, Stellar, whatever the heck that guy's name is. Stellan Skarsgård. That was awesome. That's an awesome Baron character. Baron Harkonnen, yeah. Yeah, that was really cool. And yeah, Dave Bautista, as opposed to Jason. I like Dave Bautista. That guy seems Bautista's bad. another guy who like plays Bautista, and I'm totally cool with it. He's just like in this one, he just kind of grunts and he's supposed to be an evil looking whatever. Yeah. I, I also uh, read a bunch of quotes uh, or he posted it, but Paul Schrader posted some stuff about Dune. And I, I sort of what he wrote is what I believe, like Dune, the book changed a generation. Yeah. And then Star it's Wars. A, it's a book very much of the 60s. I mean, you're talking about a book where yeah. you know the main thing is, you know, taking this drug to expand your consciousness. What's more 60s than that? And then he said George Lucas took Dune and made it more accessible to the 70s. Yes, absolutely. And he said that this version doesn't seem like it took it anywhere for the new future. And, no, and I might agree because with it's that. For a, a, it's for your Marvel-loving mainstream audience. It feels very familiar. And I, that's it's not its fault. But yeah, the movie, everything yeah. about the movies, I was like, oh, I've seen this before. I've seen this before. Yeah. I've seen this before. I mean, you again, know. it looks it looks beautiful. It looks great. It's you know, but again, I can't base movies on that, or I'd be still watching The Walking Dead. You know, what I'll I mean? definitely or, or, tune you know, in for the next couple, though. I'll tell you that. Yeah. I mean, this wasn't my favorite yeah, movie, I mean, but I'll, I'll, I want to see where it goes. I I probably wouldn't have watched it thinking, well, this this whole makeup today got switched, but I wouldn't have watched it if I didn't know we were going to do this discussion. Because it's I kept, just, I kept messaging. I, I I'm like, you watch it yet? You watch it yet? No, no, no. no. Listen, man. I, listen. You know what? I'm just gonna leave on this. Dope sick. You guys gotta be watching Dope Sick. That I'm is an incredible show. I like, think it's incredible. Is that Michael Kevin Bacon Keaton? or who's in that jar? That's Michael Keaton, right? It's Michael, oh, Michael Keaton. Keaton. Okay. And uh, uh, Rosario Dawson. But Michael Keaton, I don't know where the hell this guy came from in the last five years. Like that guy is just—he's killing it. So I've he's watched back. Dope Sick. And if you ever want to do uh, the Monica Lewinsky impeachment FX show, I can talk about that all day. So oh, I, I haven't watched it. I did I watch the Monica Lewinsky produced video or documentary called on uh, HBO, The Shame Thing. Shame. Yeah. Very, very good. That's a very good documentary. I'm watching that after I finish this show. All right, sweet. So now you're going right, in, Spears. I, you're I doing go. your famous person's makeup right now. Yeah, you're heading I gotta out. Go, I got to go find his apartment. If it's who I think it is, thank him because without him, the idea of Mondo Creepy never would happen. Oh, really? Yeah. And we've, we've well, I don't have to figure it. out. Yeah. All right. Uh, we've talked about this. I'll, I'll, I'll explain to you again later. All right. All right I, I remember I almost, 
I was able to get meetings at the time because from oh no, it's not that guy. Oh, it's not that guy. Okay, all right, never mind then. Yeah, no, 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 no. This is see now I'm intrigued. It's an actor slash music guy. Didn't you put his name in the messenger? Did you? I I I shouldn't say that. I don't know. Our personal messenger. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, That's what I'm uh, sorry. Yeah. I can edit that out. I'm only recording the audio. And I don't even know. Like I don't even know. I don't know if I'm signing an NDA. I don't know anything. I don't even know. I'm just showing. I don't know. Does his name rhyme with Reichel Mappaport? No. Okay. Oh, man. oh, that was the case. I'd be like, "What the heck?" I'd like, be with you. I'd be like, "I'm coming yeah. down and being your assistant." Maybe you get paid an amount of edibles. He was in a uh, horror movie recently. I'm not giving anything away, but uh, from a director that I have worked with in the past, and I was actually kind of surprised I got this. This came out of the blue, out of nowhere. Like, hey, would you want to do this? And you know, I didn't even think it was going to happen. Got a text, and here I am. So I'm going to go in and turn somebody into a zombie all right have fun yeah thanks enjoy. guys best of luck See you. How do i get out of this yeah i don't know dude we'll just talk and pretend you're not there i could boot there him goes. there goes there uh, mr brian spears from the bowels of new york city some undisclosed location he doesn't know how to get out <laughs> and he's back and there he and is back. i don't just hang up your goddamn phone turn it can't off be that your hard. phone and turn it back on again that's probably the easiest so so hope he doesn't procure the services of a prostitute while he's still on our Zoom. I hope he does. Uh, but uh, yeah, so Dune, which I want to call Zune. Uh, I thought, like Brian said, yeah, some of the characters didn't pop, and I, I was kind of bummed they would introduce a character and then like yeah. they're dead. That kind of bothered. I'm more annoyed bit. about the characters they they didn't show, like the Emperor, who's a major part of like the Emperor's jealousy is what sets this whole thing in motion. And like, you don't have that. You don't have, you haven't seen the Spacing Guild. The Spacing Guild is probably the most, you know, the, those worm people that you see in the original one. They're the ones that fold. They're, they're like the, the worm people, the guy in the, in the floating glass thing. They're the ones that are able to fold space, which make, which makes space travel possible. Oh, that's how they, they do that. Oh, okay. Because they've sucked down so much spice. They've mutated into like these things and they're that's- able to, to fold space. And make and make uh, long that's distance so travel. That's so freaking possible. weird. But I, I did. So that's, I, that's what I love about the book. It's it's a book filled of like these really existential and weird big ideas. And like the books get even weirder the, the further you go. Like God Emperor Dune, that book is just weird. I mean, weird. they had to know. They they were sort of teasing. It gets released and it gets it get. I think it got generally positive. Critical reviews. I don't know. I don't. I, I they hate greenlit the sequel. They greenlit well, the sequel. There was like a day or two there when they were like, "Well, we don't know if there'll be another Dune." How do you come on? No, they How knew. Do you not I'd, know. I'd seen a couple of other interviews with with some executives, and they're like, "We're very pleased with the re- early reviews of Dune, and we think this is going to track well, and we're pretty sure we're going to greenlit greenlight a second one." I mean, God, if they just made it this one movie, that would be just. I mean, my God, because it's incomplete. I mean, the movie's very. Oh, so yeah. it, it feels very, very incomplete. Ends. It did annoy me. The uh, the constant visions of uh, what's her name? Zelina is that her? I don't Zendaya. Know. Zendaya, like that was that was so it was really starting to annoy me after. That's a while. in the book. But it's I just, also in the I original movie with Sean Young. What'd you say? 
That's also he also has those visions in the original movie it, with Sean Young. It was too. It was like, and it reminded me of you know, there's like that TikTok or maybe it was a Vine where the girl leads her boyfriend by the hand. He's off yeah. camera. It's from his it's totally emasculating. Yeah, <laughs> they're going to like on vacation here and on vacation uh-huh. there. I was like, will you shut up with this? But these are small small points because I I'm so happy that this exists because there's so I much Marvel stuff out there like even as i'm not a sci-fi speaking guy of that, really speaking of, uh, speaking of that what's really annoyed me is is that the, the marvelification of the general movie going audience has annoyed me to the point where i've seen a lot of people question where, where they've asked like is there a post-credit sequence oh yeah i've encountered that too actually like, you know what? why do you need that why do you need that why does that matter I uh, my wife asked that, and I was like, I don't think this is the type of movie. That's not, not really that type of movie. It is crazy how conditioned everybody's. Yeah, come. everyone's expecting the the post credit sequence now. What? Yeah, like why? Why would they do that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess so. Th- so that's uh, that's Dune. I wanted to say Brian mentioned briefly. I thought when what's his name Javier Bardem comes in, mm-hmm. that dude, his that character, and that that he lights up the screen. He's like, you want to yeah. hang out with that guy for the rest of the movie. Oh yeah. Everyone else is a little more reserved. I thought, you know, Isaac, what's his name, was great. Uh, Oscar yeah, Isaac, yeah. You know, I was bummed to see him go. But, yeah, there's so much. I mean, yeah, my There God. wasn't enough Stellan Skarsgård. He doesn't chew the scenery the way the other guy did in the original movie, playing the Baron. Well, that, I've seen some of that. And that guy with yeah. the boils on his face, right? Is yeah. that? Oh, jeez. Yeah. That's and like, it makes that's me like wonder, trauma. That's like street trash level. And it really Roy makes Frumkin's me wonder, had, had Joe Dworsky done his version in the 70s, I would have loved to have seen Orson Welles in that part. It would have been amazing to see I Orson did, Welles play Baron Harkonnen. And it's got a ton of press. I did, you know, of course, catch and like the whole uh, Heart of Darkness, Apocalypse Now stuff where the guy's basically uh, yeah, Colonel he's Kurtz. basically aping Colonel Kurtz. That was that was pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It, it's a good movie. Uh, you know what I wanted to ask you about? Switching gears. Anything else you wanted to say? Because I don't mean to dominate no, or blab no, on. No, no, I'm... I'm, I'm I'm here to answer all your your Dune uh, questions. Halloween Kills. <sighs> yeah. What What are your? I mean, we've we've talked about it. I think in like 16 episodes. I mean, I did a yeah, solo. I listened episode. to I listened to to your last episode, and you guys pretty much I agree with just about everything you and Brian had to say about it. Um, it's a it's a mess. I can't it's, get it out of my head. I can't get it out of my head either. That's why, like, I was still like making my own evil dice tonight memes all week. I was hoping that one would really take off and then I could sell it as a non-fungible is, token or whatever that is for is it like a, thousands of dollars. But is it just a parody though? Was it, is it like intentionally just supposed to screw with the whole, hey, there's been 16,000 of these movies. What else do you want us to do? And let's just make it a complete comedy sort of? Maybe. I mean, because it comes from people with a very serious comedy background. So I think subconsciously they can't help themselves. Maybe they really wanted to like, kitchen sink a horror movie that spoke about you know uh in, in this sort of i mean i mean obviously the movie was made before december 6 but you know talking about you know january the, the january 6 january 6 but yeah talking yeah, yeah. about you know the the mass hysteria and and the mob mentality and and things like that uh but you know deep down their their comedy dna shows and they just can't help themselves it's, and, it, and, it's, and it's going to be what it's going to be it almost feels because Brian said that. And I've been thinking about that a lot. And I saw that Chris Alexander, the former editor of Fango. And before that, he was uh, not, was it Rue Morgue? I think he ran Rue Morgue for a long time up in Canada. I'm Facebook friends with him. And every once in a while, he's a great writer. 
Like he's he's real arty and stuff like that. I don't get like half of the movie. I've never even heard of half of the movies he mentioned. But he kind of treated it like a comedy. He's like, this is hilarious. And then I'm thinking like, oh, wait you a have second. To. Is this Danny McBride and the other dude basically making fun of horror fans? Because yeah. it's almost it's like a parody of horror movies. Like, yeah. But what I don't understand is there are a couple of like threads from the first movie that didn't carry over. Like I really thought like my favorite character from the last movie was the sheriff, the dude with the with the cowboy hat. Because I always figured that he was the Danny McBride proxy in this movie. Because like he had a lot of McBride esque dialogue in the first one. Figure yeah. all right, the next movie it's going to be his time to shine. It's going to be his movie. And he's got so he's got like maybe four lines in the whole movie. He walks by. He just he's just like, oh, yeah. this is bad. And then he's like sits down and puts his head in his hands, and and that's that's it. It was uh, it's, just, it's crazy. It's crazy. I was watching. I don't know why people hate it so much, but Halloween two, you know the uh, the original yeah. Halloween two was on during one of the AMC Fright Fests, or maybe it was on the Disney Channel. I don't freaking know. But that's one that people seem to hate now. And I remember like when it it was probably. I think I saw that before I saw the original Halloween because it's just like that was on VHS and we rented it when I was a little kid. I like it because it's got that whole uh, feeling of whatever that West is a Rio Lobo or Rio Bravo or John Wayne Bravo, and, yeah. where they're all caught in the jail. Yeah, and the insult mm-hmm. on Precinct 13. The you know, it's the old 13, Howard. Exactly. Yeah. I thought Halloween too. It just, I mean, it's cheesy, but it goes for, it goes for that. And I think the end when like she it shoots It makes him and, no apologies for what it is because they're like, okay, this is a cash grab. You know, yeah, we really told our story in the first one. So we're just going to give you more of the things you liked from the first one without any sort of real story. I think it's and we're good. we're going to in this ridiculous thing to an excuse for you to watch this with her being and all that. I, I, I don't really get why people uh, uh, crap on it. It's almost like nowadays Halloween 4 gets more love than Halloween 2. And I'm telling you, the, the end of Halloween 2 where he's got both his eyes shot out and he's just swinging blindly. Yeah. That's a pretty effective set it's piece. A, I agree. I agree. So I've never been a big fan of the Halloween franchise because my yeah. big issue with it has always been is that it was a good one-off movie and they shoehorned in this other film. And Halloween three is what Halloween three is. And I'm I'm a fan of Halloween three, but I recognize that it has nothing to do with the other movies. I don't really consider it a part. I call it Season of the Witch. I don't even call it Halloween three. Yeah. Um, but they've really tried to like force it to be this well you've got freddy and jason those are franchises we can make this a franchise too when i don't think that the basic construct of of michael myers as a character lends himself to being a franchise character that makes a lot of sense yeah and and yet they they tried to to do it and listen because money and i understand that but uh, the character isn't as colorful and it doesn't have like that supernatural element that Freddie or Jason has, you know, he's just a guy in a mass that escaped from a mental institution. And this one, they kind of borderline gave him supernatural powers in this one. I mean, he's supposed to be what, an almost 70 year old man and he's impaling firemen, you know, lifting them up, lifting them up <laughs> like he's like he's the undertaker, you know? Right. And you know what? I forgot to mention on, I've talked about it like in two previous podcasts, but there's a, at the end, spoiler alert, where he goes to town, like he has a gang fight with, uh, with that. He goes John Wick on the whole town for whatever reason, his mask comes off. And in the back, he is, you see the gray hair. He's bald. He's yeah. bald, but he's got like the ring around, you know, like the uh-huh. Ed Asner look. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, so what I'm, Michael? So what I'm going to look like in about five years. Right. Yeah, we all are. But it's like, it was yeah. just like it. 
I don't, it's, it was just struck me as, wait, wait a second. Cause it looked like he had a haircut. Cause I, I put that on somewhere and someone was like, well, I don't think he's paying attention to his grooming. I'm like, no, it looks like he has the Ed Asner haircut, like the Friar Tuck bald on top. And he's got something going on in the back. It looked ridiculous to me. The, and laughable. Other, thing, the other thing that I almost complained about. And then like, I, I caught myself because the whole movie is just so ridiculous. And just one point you have to go with it is that when the mob is ganging up on him, anytime there's like a bunch of people, like they're going after him, like the way like henchmen in a Bruce Lee movie go away where they're, they're all surrounding him, but they're all taking one at a time turns. They're waiting you know? their turn. And yeah. like, and, and by like the, he will all... die us tonight, but like we're all, we're all just going to like take our one shot at this each at a time. At the beginning of the movie, they introduced some guy who drives around town with a trunk full, a literal trunk full of guns of, of rifles and yeah. long arms and handguns. But then at the end of the final confrontation, they're using two by fours and irons. Mm -hmm. Like it's famously on Facebook, there's the the one lady who brought an iron. I don't even know if that's true. Is that actually true? There's a, there's a woman in the background at that end who's just carrying an iron. I haven't seen any of those. I only saw it the one the one time when, when it came out a couple of weeks ago on, on Peacock. Um, I haven't watched it since. So like I haven't been able to closely scrutinize it, but I wouldn't be the least bit surprised. But, you know, you've got this mob. Why is everybody just... You see, I, I I feel stupid for even bringing it up because the whole movie's just right. So right, the whole movie's insane. The other thing I just want to mention because I didn't mention on the other podcasts, very end. This is major spoiler alert. Okay, so so like a major character gets killed like the very last scene. It's practically a post credit scene almost. But <laughs> there's cops outside. Like the whole, oh, every cop, the, the you know there was just this massive like thirty people killed literally a block away. How did the dude get from there to there? Yeah. Like it was, it was ridiculous. Also, like if they figured out that all Michael wants to do is just go to his house and look out the window, why don't they just clear a path and let him do that and then surround the building and then you could catch him. Wait, let's like, padlock this. I mean, let's... I'm not, a, I'm not an expert in law enforcement, but that seems like the most logical thing to do would be to set the trap where you just let him go to the house. Here's a path to the house. Here's the room. We're going to even leave the door unlocked. You can just go up and stare out the window and, and then we'll get you. And also the fact that they thought it was so important plot wise and story wise to give us a motivation. Oh, it's a sister. No, he's just wants, he's not going after Lord. Who cares? It's just, it's Michael cares? Myers. He's a killing machine. It doesn't yeah. matter. Like, cause that, that was all lost on me. I couldn't understand like, why well, am you I, you know, they, they had a jam that didn't cause they had, they only had, uh, they only had her for three days on set. Well, that was the funny, I mean, like, God, yeah. she's, She's like talking about mailing it in. Oh yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's for money because money, but I would imagine that the next movie that they have yet to make that they're going to make this year and they'll be out in two years. She'll have a much larger part because you know, everybody else is dead. And did you, did you, uh, there, there a lot of people are, not a lot of people, but I've read some comparisons from critics. They compare it to the new star Wars trilogy, how it goes from the force awakens to, whatever it is, the last Jedi or, you know, cause they just like, they had no game plan. They made the first yeah, one. Clearly no game. Plan. And then it's just like, Oh shit, oh, we made some money. Let's yeah. make a second one. We got to get yeah. it out by this. Like there's but no the difference though, is that it's sort of forgive. It's not really forgivable with star Wars because the new star Wars trilogy is also mess, but it's kind of forgivable because they handed it off to different filmmakers. You know, it's like, okay, JJ Abrams is going to do it. Okay. We're, we're handing it off to, to Ryan Johnson or whatever his name is. And then, well, we couldn't get the other guys that we wanted. So it's going back to JJ. So, but there's no excuse here because it's this, it's David Gordon Green doing all three movies. There's kind of, and it's the same writing team. There's no excuse for it. 
It's awesome. So that's Halloween Kills. I don't. Yeah, I could talk about that movie all day because it was and, just. And of course, Evil Dies Tonight. Evil it's, Dies. One day that tonight. will be a drinking game, probably in the not so distant future. And you know, most people will be blacked out drunk by you know the first twenty five minutes. And just that there's the scene where Anthony Michael Hall, he's leading. The mob is ready to go. They're all primed, and he has to stop one last time to look back and tell them again, "Evil dies tonight." And then, like, yeah. And is it me or is just Anthony Michael Hall a weird choice? Yeah, he's. Yeah. It's a weird choice. Right. It, it yeah, it takes you out. It, it took me out of the whole movie because he's took just. Me out of it. I didn't get like what his character was because he he well, seemed Paul like Rudd he was, played the character in when Halloween. H2O or something like that. I don't even know. He played it in one. And I guess, you know, they couldn't afford Paul Rudd. Supposedly they asked and they said it was scheduling conflicts, but that's always code for he wanted more money. And, you know, we couldn't give it to him. And Anthony Michael Hall, like the way he plays that character, like I said, and he to me was okay. That would be a believable Tommy Jarvis because he's supposed to be like this tough guy, but it's it's Anthony Michael Hall. Like, really? You know, I, I was. Yeah, that was really bizarre. And he's like the whole movie. He is the star of the movie. Because, <laughs> yeah, he overacts Not the Jamie most. Lee Curtis. He's in more scenes than anybody. He's the star of the movie. Anthony Michael Hall steals the latest. That's just, what a mess. But, all right. That's that. That's that. Yeah, so I appreciate you coming by because I definitely wanted to talk. I wanted to talk uh, Dune, not Zoom. Thank you for Dune. having me. Yeah, because you're like the, you know, you know a lot more than me. But we had the same opinion on it, so. Yeah. I feel better. So if follow Mondo Creepy on Twitter, look him up on YouTube and the Facebook. Yeah. New uh, episode, really- latest episode came out a couple of weeks ago. And uh, for some reason, our uh, Mystics in Bali episode, episode three, is now our, our most viewed episode, which is and weird I, over I the last you- week. I sent you that that message like when I I have a TV upstairs, my my Sony, whatever the heck it is, and when I go to the YouTube thing, always in my record, always in my recommendations is Mystics and Bali, and it all it always makes me laugh. You know, I'm just like it's just one of those weird. Who knows, man? YouTube, freaking. Yeah, I don't know. If I could figure it out, I'd be a millionaire. Yeah, bow to the machine. I saw something like some some uh, news publication got a lot of uh, traction out of fish related stories on Fridays. And so every Friday, it was like a Buzzfeed thing. So they would just publish these random stories about fish and they would, whatever they would get like track. a yeah. million page views from it and sell. I was just like, Oh God, this is we're all, all going right. to hell. It's good to know. I need to do a, a fish movie in the next episode and put it out on Friday. That's good to know. All right. So that's Done. Matt Misto and I'm Carlos danger. And uh, we'll see you next time. Sure. On insufferable bastards. Well, the music is by Satanic. Satanic Panic eighty one. I always forget. You can't forget. He gave us the hi hat at the uh, CT Horror Fest. We didn't really see him. Mondo creepy theme song available on his website. That's one thing about doing a horror fest. You find out what podcasts really don't like you because they don't come over and say hi. 